Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. All right, well, let's get back to the phone lines and see what James is up to this morning. Good morning, sir. Morning, Bob. How you doing? Well, watched the sleet come down yesterday. Got moderate amount of rain on me driving in this morning. Uh, I'm afraid I'd like to see sunshine and blue skies, but, uh, you know, it's rodeo season, and it just this kind of morning makes me glad I'm not a trail rider. Yes, sir. This rodeo weather is a little bit... Uh leave something to be desired i guess (laughs) we always need the moisture but man we sure need some sunshine in between times amen uh i heard you guys talking about gophers yeah one of your callers uh i was uh visiting with uh the young man that's doing the gopher project down in the the sandy country Mm -hmm. in church uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh he told me that the root maker uh, root trapper bags uh-huh. had a little bit of damage. He was burying them with tomato plants in them. Uh-huh. That's uh, the root trapper. But the ones that we used to grow the trees in, yeah. they, they, they have a 4-inch all the way up to a 24-inch. You uh, put, put the bag in the hole, plant the tree, grow it for a couple of years, and then you, then you pull the whole tree, the nice roots out with the, you can either pull it out if it's small yourself or use your tractor. Sure. And you put it in a 30-gallon pot and you're done. Right. It's a root pruning bag mm-hmm. called a netted, netted bag. Right. The gophers didn't mess with those. They were, uh, he was using like the 80, I can't remember the eight inch or the four inch bag. Uh-huh. They're, a, they're an in ground uh, net bag that the uh, fruit maker makes and sells. The gophers didn't mess with those. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're big enough to grow, the eight inch bags are big enough to grow a, oh, an eight foot tall uh, Monterey oak. So uh-huh. they sure are big enough to grow uh, tomatoes and peppers or whatever else sure. the gophers are messing with. He He seems to have a lot of trouble with the uh, yellow squash they bother the roots on those quite uh-huh. a bit yeah 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 it's not something i would do my caller was talking about basically planting a permanent tree and uh he's not a man who could dig it up and replant it later but where you're using them just uh because they do allow the water and oxygen and things back and forth uh um, that'd be a great way to, to stop the gophers. Now I'm still a big believer in trapping the gophers. I know I started out with, uh, gophers where I live up in the country, but gophers are much rarer up there. And I got rid of my gophers probably 20 years ago and I've never seen a gopher since, but down South, yeah, you probably would do better, um, to use a root maker bag or something like that. If you have trouble keeping them out of the garden, cause they, they can sure be devastating to plants. Unlike moles, people blame moles for things, and uh, moles are insect eaters. Moles don't eat roots, but, man, gophers will will sure eat the heck out of any roots they can get to. Yeah, he really can't plant, uh, you know, any any garden 
vegetables out there without some kind of uh, protection. And uh, the bags are pretty easy. You just get a post hole digger and make a couple of chops at it, and then bury the bag and uh, fill it up with. A and where where do you farm. where where is the average person going to be able to to purchase root maker bags? Okay, you've got to go online unless you have a, a commercial account with them. Uh huh. Uh, and just Google root maker, and that that'll get you to the right site. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. The four in, the little four inch bags, uh, Carl uh, Professor Whitcomb has designed to fit inside a cinder block, and it sure. grows a really nice little tree liner. But it also grows the greatest uh, lettuce you've ever seen. Uh huh. Well, and it's you know I, we we should be um, very you know specific in talking about this. It's not what the bag was originally designed for. The original bag was designed, in effect, to make it possible for people to grow shrubs and trees in the ground up to a size that they wanted to take them out and transfer them into growing into nursery containers to get them up to a bigger size. But this is just an offshoot. This is a secondary use that's turned out to be really, really good. Now, would you, if you're using them to grow tomatoes or peppers or, you know, these other things in your garden, would you replace them on a yearly basis? Or do you think they'll last in the soil as a gopher barrier for, you know, two, three years? Oh, I've got some that I've used in cinder blocks that are, geez, uh, I want to say seven, seven or eight, maybe 10 years old. Yeah. They're kind of raggedy, but they still, still work. Yeah. So they, they, they are durable. And of course it'd have to be because, you know, people use them to grow these uh, trees that are sometimes put into boxes or 90 gallon containers. And that takes two, three years to grow a tree up to that size. So they, they should last several years, uh, for those folks down in, in gopher country that are trying to keep them away from the roots of the garden plants. If you want to confine a blackberry or something, whatever kind of plants you're trying <laughs> to confine, uh, they also work pretty well doing that. Yeah, and that's a real good point, too, because some of the things that we like tend to spread somewhat invasively, and blackberries are probably a good example because they put out those uh, underground rhizomes and can sprout up all over the garden, and you're if you're not digging them up, you have kind of a, a bramble a bramble patch, a briar patch, as Brother Rabbit would say, uh, a briar patch to deal with. So that would be another very good use for them, sure would be. This season is going to be really wet. I can't get in and, and do a lot of planting. So uh, all my Serrano chilies, they're looking pretty good underneath the, the grow lights. So uh-huh. They're going to go in eight-inch bags, and it might be the end of March into April when everything dries out, but they'll be growing above ground in the bags. Mm-hmm. And then when the, the soil finally dries, I'm going to put the plant, uh, dig a hole and bury the, the plants, bags and all. Yeah. I was going to say, you're not going to try to take them out of the bag on something like yeah. chili pepper or something like that. You're just going to put them down into the ground and, uh, where the moisture and, and things will go through the bags. Uh, once the soil dries out, we get oxygen back in the soil, then the soil's good for planting. If it stops raining today, it'll be a month before that 
some black dirt out there. <laughs> dry as it now. Well, and and again, that's that's my challenge and uh, the challenge in talking to people about gardening is that there are so many different soil types around. And I was looking yesterday afternoon. I got home before dark because I had a delivery to make on the way home, so I sneaked out a little early. But uh, my soil's dry. My soil in my yard. It's, we keep getting these little drizzly rains, but I was uh, watering, you know, my broccoli, my spinach, my uh, chard, things that I'm harvesting from. I actually found that even though right on the surface was wet, you went down an inch or two, and it was uh, quite dry. So, nah, that's that's another point. If you're out in the black clay like you, like James is, uh, you know, you you probably still pretty wet. But those of us uh, with some different soil types. Uh, don't judge what it looks like on the surface. Dig down a little bit and see what your soil condition is and then decide whether or not you need to water. Well, I, I'm good with about a four inch, uh, tomato transplant, but I sure can't plant any gallons out here. It's, <laughs> it's wet. Yes, sir. Well, I've seen the country dry a whole lot more than I've ever seen it too wet. So we're not going to complain too loudly. Did you get your carrots planted, Bob? No, I haven't. I well, it's the nursery business is crazy right now, so hopefully that'll be on this week's uh, list of things to accomplish. But ah, uh, my two days off sure do fill up in a hurry. So it's um, yeah, that's something that's pretty much top of my list now. Well, don't think I'm picking on you. I'm I'm priding everybody to get some carrots going. It's, uh, <laughs> about the right time, and they sure are worth it. Oh, they uh, sure are. They're such the sweet. Fall. The fall carrots, you know, they go over winter, and then they get kind of woody and mm-hmm. kind of lose their flavor, and they're pretty good for feeding the goats, but that's about it. Yep, yep. But those spring carrots, I mean, if it turns out to be a short spring, it doesn't matter how big they are. They're still tasty and packed with nutrients. So whether you pick them small and just eat them or whether you let them get up to uh, their mature size, it uh, either way, you're getting one of the one of the best uh, things you can grow in the garden. So you're exactly right. Good, be a good it's week like to planting, get them started. It's like planting a candy store, man. I, I can't wait. <laughs> I love those, those. Well, James, uh, somebody was asking, I guess, last Sunday, um, when when are you open for business, so to speak? When do you start marketing? When, you, when do you have enough uh, vegetables and greens and tomatoes to start marketing? And uh, are you... Do you have your stand open uh, a specific day or days and specific hours? What what is your uh, what is your schedule for offering the things that you grow? Well, it's you know totally tomatoes. Usually, I'm going to do some cut flowers this year, uh, uh-huh. but but in May, about the middle of May, good Lord willing, yeah, uh, I'm adding uh, the uh, early girl to the lineup. A 62-day tomato to get everybody about 10 days earlier than the celebrities. So we'll see how that goes. But about the middle of May is when everything starts coming in. People that find themselves out in Marion, Texas, would uh, enjoy very much meeting you and eating some of your good produce. Well, a lot of my uh, more mature lady customers will uh, will give me a phone call, and then they, they order their tomatoes over the phone, and, and I have <laughs> Well, we we won't go quite there. You'll be out of tomatoes the first five minutes you offer them. But uh, anyway, I always enjoy it when you take a little time to visit with us and always learn from you. You get out and have a great weekend. You 
guys have fun in the garden, and uh, thanks for taking my call, Bob. Oh, it's always a pleasure, James. Good to talk to you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right, uh, 724, we're going to talk to Eva and then Jack and then to you. So uh, give me a call, 210-599-5555. I say good morning, Eva. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, thank you for calling. I am so confused over two things that uh, we talked about last time, and one of them is the orchid, and it's losing its blooms now, but it's still in a pot that has no drain in it. Uh huh. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, when it is through with the flowering, I would take it totally out of that pot. I would repot it in what you know most nurseries will just call an orchid mix. There's some commercially packaged ones. We actually make our own. The basic ingredient is uh, fir bark. And um, it's, you know, the little phalaenopsis, by the time they finish flowering, a lot of times those blasted little pots, they put them in without holes. It's destroyed a lot of the root system, but, uh, and you almost have to get them out. And just as soon as the flowers are gone, that's the time I would take it out of that pot. I would pot it into a bark mix. Uh, many nurseries might do that for you. I know we do that all the time at Shades of Green. People bring them by, and it takes about 30 seconds to uh, repot them into, you know, good, healthy bark mix. And uh, that's that's what will give you long-term success as far as a growing medium that you only have to redo every three or four years uh, after after they come out of that stuff they, they're initially grown in. Well, I was trying to get it out, and I didn't know how because it feels like it's in a styrofoam or something, and the pot is really a nice, solid pot. It's, I didn't want to break it, but I don't want to break the plant either. Now, is so I didn't it, know how to go down with a butter knife? Or and that's exactly what I was going to say. Take take a, a, a narrow bladed knife and just you're going to do a little bit of damage to the roots. Don't worry about it. I've we've gotten orchid plants in back in the days where we were growing so many thousands of them every year. We would get little plants in that had zero roots we would pot them up with the ones that had a nice little root system and six months later we couldn't tell which was which a healthy orchid plant will grow all the roots it needs so i would soak it you know just warm water soak it for 30 minutes or so and then you can take that knife and a butter knife would be a great thing to use uh, any fairly narrow knife just put it in and just you know slip all the way around and then just gently, you know, remove it from the pot. And if you break a few roots, don't worry about it. They they will grow new ones. Okay. Okay. The other thing is that uh, we was talking about Gumfrey. Mm-hmm. And I looked for plants and couldn't find any. And I did get some oil to use. Uh-huh. That, uh, but my wonderful husband went online and he ordered me some comfrey cuttings and i don't know which i got whether i got cuttings or whether i got roots because it all looks like a bark of a piece of a tree but uh six of them have come up okay and i don't know what i do with them now some of them are as much as 12 inches tall and some are only still two or three inches tall well, i put them in three pots and only two pots came alive so 
Well, they, um, you know, eventually, probably two or three weeks from now, keep them in the pots that they have sprouted in because I don't know what this crazy weather is going to do. And uh, but keep give them lots of light, uh, water, a little bit of uh, liquid fertilizer would be good. But then plant them out in the yard in a good sunny area. My comfrey's been in the same spot in my yard for gosh, I don't know how many years now. Some years it freezes back. Most years it doesn't freeze back at all. But even in the years that we get, you know, like last year when we had the 14-degree weather, it froze down, but it came right back out in the spring. It's a very hardy, pretty little perennial plant. It has sort of fuzzy leaves, has a lavender-purple flower periodically. So um, your husband was doing a great thing. Maybe he'll do one more fun thing, and that is uh, help you just dig a couple of uh, holes in the garden. Let it warm up a little bit more. But by the 1st of March, I'd just be planting those out in a sunny area. Now, once you plant it there, it will always be there. I gave a pot to a friend one time and warned her uh, because it comfrey is normally, you know, made propagated by root cuttings and i said put it wherever you want but it's always you're always going to have it there well she decided to dig it up and move somewhere else but for as long as she lived in that house i understand the plant kept coming back over and over and over in the place that it was originally planted so uh the way comfrey grows once it's established you're you're probably always going to have a little comfrey patch but that's not a bad thing it's so useful and uh it's a very pretty little plant and you just harvest the leaves as you need them for whatever purpose you need them for. Okay, so now do I take each uh, sprout and put it in a hole, or do I put the whole pot in Well, the hole? if they have kind of rooted together in the pots, just plant the whole pot together. You know, just uh, tap it out and just plant it intact, and uh, it should just go on growing. Treat it just like you would any other herb or tomato or anything else. And uh, like I say, good sun, give it a little liquid fertilizer now and then, and it'll be one of the easiest plants you've ever grown. And you'll be able to share pieces of it with your friend if you like. Just It's going to kind of sprout up in different areas around it, and uh, you'll be able to dig some little plants away from the sides uh, in a year or so and uh, have more to share with your friends who are probably having as much trouble as you are finding it. We get it in the nursery off and on through the year, but our supplier isn't consistent. We'll have a big supply of it for a month, and then all of a sudden it's a couple of months before we get more. So uh, you'll be able to share it if your friends uh, have trouble finding it in the future. Well, I was thinking about sharing each uh, sprout, but maybe I don't need to do that. Well, I just am concerned, uh, you know, in if doing additional root damage, if you tried to separate them because you, you put, I take it from what you're saying, uh, your husband got you several plants and you put two or three to a pot. And I just don't want you to bust up the root systems too much. If you can divide them up without doing a lot of damage to the roots, yeah, by all means get uh, planted six different places. Well, I didn't know how. I actually got something that counted out like 16 pieces. Yeah. And only six of them have come up, uh-huh. but they're in a, a regular, <laughs> uh, what, gallon uh, pot. Yeah. And they're uh, not real close together. Well, I. come up consistently, so I don't know if there's still more coming up or what. There probably will be. And if you do it carefully and gently, you will be able to divide them. But if you decide to do that, I would go ahead and separate them out, put them in their own little individual pots, and leave them there until they, you know, get some roots established before you put them in the ground. But uh, 
Uh, either way, they they are going to grow best if they wind up in the ground. But, you know, if a month from now you want to gently take them out of the pot they're in and pot up the little separate plants in their own individual pots, let them grow in that for a month or so and then put them in the ground. Okay. Well, another thing, uh, as much moisture as we've had, do I still need to put an inch of water on my uh, lemon tree ever so often? Feel the soil. Um, the kind of rains we've had recently have not been enough to water the soil thoroughly. And stick your finger down in. If the soil's wet an inch down, you don't need to water them. But I'm going to tell you, a lot of the pots that I've been checking, it's moist on the surface but dry down underneath. So uh, I think you're going to have to water a little bit more than you expect to. Well, it's in the ground, but uh, I don't know that I can get down there to, to fill it, but I'll... Well, if just I can get somebody to yeah, poke their finger take, in there. take a little spade or something and, you know, go out a couple of feet away and just dig down and see what the soil looks like. I was very surprised at how dry the soil in my yard is. But then I looked back at my records and I've gotten one one hundredth and three one hundredth and two one hundredths of an inch of rain. It's been some time since I had a good soaking rain. So you may find that you need to water your uh, all of your, your fruit trees as well as your grass. Okay, well, I've been trying to get the grass going, but our yard man broke our sprinkler, so I need to come back to fix it. <laughs> well, the old-fashioned way with a garden hose, it wouldn't be much fun this morning, but we're going to no. get back to some good spring weather and then just water however you need to. Okay, and then I have some weeds that have come up in my yard that I don't know what they are or where they came from. They're, they're taking over my grass, but they look, they're those little purple top ones that, or along the side of the road everywhere. Well, that's I've never had them before. That's probably called henbit. Just mow them off; they'll die out as the weather gets hot. Okay. Alrighty, I thank you very much, and we'll try to take my information and do something with it. Well, very good, Evan. It's good to talk to you. Wish you a good Saturday and Sunday, and happy Valentine's Day. Let me get a break out of the way here. Jack is next, and it'll be Valerie and Rosa. I get to talk to you for a moment about uh, Green Grow Organics, and that's Sam Sitterly. And, you know, I guess a lot of folks, well, if you're like me, you're busy, but some folks just physically aren't able to do everything they once did out in their yard. And a lot of folks just too busy to do so, but your yard still needs to be fertilized periodically. You may need to do some weed control. You may need, well, a lot of different problems that can be solved. Oh, through compost tea and other good natural organic practices. That's what Sam Sitterly has built a a business around. He's been doing this for almost 30 years, and he gives you the same great service that these companies want to come around on a monthly basis or whatever, but they're using the bad chemicals and the synthetic fertilizers that we don't like. Sam does things organically. He doesn't have any long-term contracts. He start with a free consultation Together, you look at the yard, you look at the landscape, you decide what it needs, and Sam can provide those services for you organically, naturally, and uh, just as much or as little as you need. Every client's different. Every need is different. The one thing that's always consistent is that Sam uses organic products and natural techniques to help everyone achieve that beautiful yard. His motto, saving the world one organic landscape at a time. The consultation is free. There's no long-term obligation. 
Foundation. If you would like some help in making your yard the the beautiful place that you've been uh, that you just haven't had time to work at doing, why don't you let Sam do it for you? Give him a call 210-275-8200. That's 210-275-8200. Sam Sitterly and Green Grow that's G-R-O-W, GreenGrowOrganics.com. All right, it's going to be Jack and Valerie and Rosa and Donna and Jack's up first. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Bob. Morning, sir. Uh, I have a good sunny location. I want to create a flower bed of uh, larkspur and, and poppies. Okay. And I presume uh, when I put the transplants in that I can't mulch them in order for them to be able to reseed. Is that correct? Um, you can't put a heavy mulch down. Now, larkspur and poppies, they make so much seed that they're they're almost sure to come back even if you put a moderate amount of mulch down but don't be putting down three or four inches but uh, larkspur and and those uh red poppies and all uh, you just they they come back like weeds now um okay. it's time to get them in uh if you're using yep. transplants you've got a little more time but you know mine are already three four five inches tall so um, I'm not saying you can't plant seed this late, but if you want to do it now, don't put it off. Okay. And after they decline because of the heat and I plant uh, summertime flowers, I can just put transplants in there and, <laughs> and just continue on. Is that Absolutely. <laughs> and you're going to be surprised. Well, you'll see the little seed pods and of course leave the uh, the poppies uh-huh. and the larkspur in. And uh, if you want to increase the area, uh, you know, the larkspur makes little pods. The uh, poppies make that little crucible-looking thing up on top. Just grab those, uh-huh. crush it between your fingers, and seeds will go everywhere. So, yeah, it's uh, usually not a problem getting them to come back the next year. It's, it's pulling out all the ones that came up that where they were too thick and where you didn't really want to have them. Okay. Those are well, great. What we, yeah, what we <laughs> what we call them is reseeding annuals, and they're sort of the poster child for the way it ought to happen. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. I'll uh, I'll get going on it. You, you do so, Jack. Have a great weekend, and thank you, sir. You. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Valerie's next. Good morning, Valerie. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. I I have a question. I have strawberries growing in a whiskey barrel, and right when they're about to turn red, something's attacking it. And I just wanted to know something I could put on it. Well, it's probably pill bugs um, as well as snails and slugs. But the general culprit is those little things we call roly-polies or sow bugs or pill bugs. And they do love strawberries. And, And like you say, they usually hit them about four or five days before the point that we would want to pick them. The good news is there is a totally non-toxic product, which is called Sluggo Plus. Uh, there's Sluggo, but Sluggo Plus is what you want because they add the spinosad to it to get the pill bugs as well as the snails and slugs, but it's totally harmless. I'd rinse the strawberries off, but there's nothing toxic in that product to people or pets, either one, and it will very definitely work to control the pill bugs. Sluggo plus. Sluggo plus. Okay, great. I'll go ahead and get that. I guess that any nursery will have that. Any good nursery should have it, I would think. 
It's widely available. Okay, well, I'll put it that way. <laughs> Probably not going to find it at Home Depot, but they're not a nursery. They're just they're a lumber store yeah. that uh, tries to pretend to be a nursery. But you know, you'll find it. Uh, you know, Fanex Rainbow Gardens. We sure have it at Shades of Green. I imagine Millburger has it wherever you normally shop for uh, for that sort of thing. You should find Sluggo Plus. If not, they can get it for you. Okay, great. Thanks. And one more question. As for uh, the cherry tomatoes, can you give me? Can you recommend one for a whiskey barrel? Oh gosh, yes. Uh, my favorite of the cherry tomatoes is a little yellow tomato called Sun Gold. Uh, for yellow tomato, for red tomato, I have to say my favorite is probably uh, Sweet One Hundred. Uh, other good varieties, if you want a teardrop-shaped uh, cherry tomato, Juliet, one of the most productive tomatoes I've ever seen. Uh, black cherry, there are a bunch of others, but uh, if I were only planting three tomatoes, it would be Sun Gold, Sweet 100s, and Juliet. Okay. And how many can I plant in a whiskey barrel? Probably three. I sure wouldn't go any more than that. Perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate your help. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate the call this morning. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Certainly. Bye. All right, let's see here. Next up uh, is going to be Rosa. Good morning, Rosa. Hey, good morning. Good morning. I'm a little late in calling. I don't know if someone has already called in about ants in the pots and out in the yard. Okay. Is there anything I can do that don't kill the plants and uh, still get rid of the ants? They are almost certainly fire ants. And there is a safe bait, which is called Come and Get It. Um, You probably want to wait for a little sunnier day to put it out, but it is uh, a bait that is attractive to fire ants and to harvester ants. You don't want to disturb the mounds. You just want to sprinkle it around the mound, or if you're not sure where they are out in the yard, just kind of scatter it around a bit. Uh, I like to do it in the early morning or in the evening. When you put it out in the middle of the day, the ants are not as active and it doesn't work as quickly. But come and get it. Uh, we'll get, you know, 98% of the ant mounds. Uh, and it says it takes a week. I normally find about two days later the ants are all gone. Now, if you want to keep them from coming back, uh, get some dry molasses and sprinkle it around. It's a great product uh, for increasing microbial life. It's just a great thing to use anywhere in the yard or garden, and fire ants do not like it. If you already have a bunch of them, uh, sometimes it takes a while to run them all off. It doesn't kill them, but they just go elsewhere. So after you've used your spinosad, which is uh, which will come and get it, is a spinosad bait. It's a safe product to use. After you've gotten rid of them the first time, just start putting dry molasses around two or three times a year. You'll keep the fire ants out, and your plants will grow even better. And that's in the pots, too? That's in the pots, too. Oh, wonderful. Now, one other thing you can do in the pots, um, Uh and it has to stay dry to work, but get some diatomaceous earth. And okay. with with diatomaceous earth, you want the ants active. Uh, stir up that dirt up on top where you, they've gotten active. And as they come boiling out, just sprinkle them with that DE. Every one of, it, oh, the, every one of them that gets any of it on them, um, it kind of cuts them up and they dehydrate and die. So diatomaceous earth is very effective in the pots. And like I say, it has to stay dry to work. I think in the, in the yard... Come and get it works, but come and get it to work in the pots as well, whatever's most convenient for you. That's fantastic. How about um, the rats? The rats, 
I don't know if they're here again, but last year they were terrible. The yeah. dogs had killed several out in the yard. And I was wondering, and then we killed one snake, and I'm sure it was here to go after Eat the rats, rat. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm a fan of old-fashioned rat traps. I do not like the rat poisons because, uh, uh, you know, they're very deadly to dogs and other domestic animals. And you say, well, I'm going to put it where the dogs don't go. Well, the rats pick it up and carry it out where the dogs can find it. So I, what I do is, uh, in fact, I actually made some little cages that the rats and mice can go through, but the dogs and cats can't get into. And I just set those old rat traps out put one of those cages down on top of it and sure I've got a few bodies to clean up, but I know that I've gotten them. And that's, uh, it's funny you bring it up because we found a couple of places where we've got issues at the nursery with the rats deciding to move in this spring and, uh, they're going to get a little sample and, and you can, you know, the old thing people used to talk about baiting a rat trap with cheese. I find peanut butter works a little bit better. Uh, I have trapped rats putting bacon, uh, you know, as something on there, um, but it's, uh, um, I, I just use the old snap traps and it still works very well. Well, that's a great idea. And, um, I hope the dogs don't, well, no, the dogs are too big to get into that cage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing to do. You know, I can't, uh, I sure wouldn't want a rat trap snapping on my puppy's nose or something. So I'm real careful where I set them, but that's still what I use to get rid of the rats. Okay, well, I'm sure going to try it. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Rosa. You get out and have a happy Valentine's Day if we don't talk before then. Thank you very much. You're sure welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, let's get back to the phone line. It's going to be Donna and Susan. That's probably going to wrap up this hour. Uh, Good morning, Donna. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Well, I guess spring is uh, sneaking up on us, and I see the Arizona <laughs> ashes are sprouting out. Oh, even my cedar elms. I saw little little buds on those, and those um, the ashes, It's they're, and the peach trees are starting to bloom around. I, I would say spring is definitely sneaking up. Mother Nature just decided to slow it down a little bit this uh, weekend. Yes. Well, I have a concern because it also is sneaking up on our roses, and I know that I need to cut them back. But it's really hard when you see all these beautiful <laughs> blooms on the Belinda stream and then the knockout roses. So what are your thoughts on that? Can I just leave them? Sure, and- sure. You know, grafted roses, I feel like a grafted rose is the rose that most likely needs to be pruned just to... The, the reason we prune is not just to limit size, but it's to increase the vigor in the roses. Grafted roses, unpruned, usually don't live more than six or eight years, and sometimes not that long. So uh, it's kind of like grafted fruit trees. The, the pruning is in part to maintain the vigor of the plant. A rose that is growing on its own roots that was grown from a cutting as pretty much all the knockouts are, as the Belinda's dreams are, as Martha Gonzalez, all the uh, Mutabilis roses, these are all roses on their own roots, and they simply do not have to be pruned. Now, lots of them, we do prune them because they turn into monsters if we don't, but uh, this is one year that my pruning is going to be pretty minimal. In fact, I've already done a fair amount of pruning and the main reason i did is one of our growers wanting cuttings from some of some of those good roses but um you have there there's no mandate to prune your bushes do not have to be pruned if they're out of hand 
um, enjoy your first big round of blooms and then cut them back a little bit. But uh, they they simply don't have to be pruned. Oh, that's that's good. I'm so happy to hear that because I kept looking at them. I thought this is ridiculous. I'm going to cut all these beautiful blooms off, well, and then I just uh, felt like that was not a good thing. So good. I, yeah, and it'll save me some time too. Well, and hopefully uh, avoid some puncture wounds. Our friends up in Fredericksburg and further north, where they got a little bit harder freeze, they probably had some buds damaged. But uh, it's uh, as far as roses go, unless the weather gets a lot worse than it has been. It's going to be an early spring, and I'm already seeing lots of roses in full bloom. So uh, don't the ones you have, do not worry about pruning. They'll be just fine. They'll just be a little bigger this year. All right. Well, thank you very much. You are sure welcome. Thanks for the call this morning. Bye-bye. Goodbye. All right. Susan's up next. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. Good morning. Um, well, I'm having a problem with some little gnats. I think they're gnats in my house, and I uh-huh. think they're from the house plant. Okay. And uh, I had this problem a long time ago, and somebody told me to put some kind of combination of liquids in a jar and put holes in the <laughs> lid, and it would attract them. And, and it worked, but I don't remember what it was. Okay. And, and there may be a better way to do it. Well, there are. The first thing, first thing we have to do is determine for sure where they're coming from because the, the three common sources, one of them is overripe fruit and their fruit flies. That's not as mm-hmm. common as it once was. Uh, second place is from the soil uh, around your house plants. The third place mm-hmm. is from your drains in your shower, your sink, uh, you know, bathtub, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. The ones, uh, because underneath, uh, and for safety reasons, under your sink and your tub and all, there is a little U-shaped uh, thing called a P-trap because it's shaped like the letter mm-hmm. P. And you have to have moisture in there to keep gases from coming back up through the sewer system into your home. And that's why you mm-hmm. have to have those. But unfortunately, this is where... Uh, these things, they call them sewer gnats, and that's where they breed, and they can be a real issue, but they're really easy to get rid of. When you're through doing okay. the dishes, when you're through water, running water uh, through these different places, you simply take some orange oil, I like the Medina brand, and put maybe a quarter of a teaspoon down each you know, sink. And, I mean, it will give you the freshest smelling sink. <laughs> and if you've had odors from a garbage disposal or whatever, you'll be amazed how wonderful it suddenly smells. And uh, uh-huh. I suggested this to a friend, and they came back and said, man, it took care of the problem overnight. I paid a plumber $200, and he didn't do a thing about it. So uh, uh-huh. if you have the, the gnats from the sink, that's what you do. Now, if you have the gnats from your house plants, they are living and breeding in the soil, and I can tell you you're watering too often. If you simply will cut back on your watering, run those plants a little drier, the plants will do better, and you will have no more gnats. If you want to speed the process up, the same bacteria that kill mosquito larvae called BTI, the same larvae or the same products that kill the mosquito larvae will take care of the fungus gnats. You will buy them under the name of, um, oh gosh, mosquito dunks or mosquito bits. Uh, And all you do is, uh, I mean, there's the same thing we throw in standing water for mosquito control. But you take your watering can, put some bits or a portion of a dunk in there, soak it for three or four hours. Use that to water your plants. Uh, They will control the the gnats coming out of your plants uh, very quickly, totally safely. Okay. And where do I buy that? 
any good nursery. Okay. Same thing for your orange oil. You'll think you'll the smallest you can probably buy the orange oil is in a pint, and you'll say, "Well, gosh, I don't need that much." It is the best household cleaner you will ever use. It has many other nurseries. You can mix it with vinegar to make a weed killer. We can control borers in trees. So, um, yeah, it's a uh, it, it's a good thing to have on hand. But I can't eat the house plants, right? Uh, for the house plants, the you'll orange get orange oil. Yeah, uh, no, that's for your drains. Uh, the house plants okay. are going to use some mosquito dunks or mosquito bits. Okay.